Good evening and welcome to Pink Megaphone with your host, Leslie Reese, where we discuss topics that are most important to us, but especially from women just like me and you. This evening, we have a new friend of mine, colleague. Her name is Dr. Shana Paris. Welcome, Shana. Hi. Thanks so much for agreeing to be on my podcast. That's no problem at all. My pleasure. (laughs) So I want you to just tell me and our listeners a little bit about you before we dive into everything. I am. I guess I would say I'm I'm a woman on a journey (laughs) through life. Um, as you said, I'm a doctor, but, um, before a doctor, I'm, I guess, human, just like everyone else, which will come out in our discussion, I think. Um, I'm a dreamer, I'm an artist, a writer, um, and more than that, I think, mostly I enjoy just being a sister and a friend. Um, and doing all the other things outside of career and the things that we like to define ourselves by a lot in life you know as you say that it reminds me so much of myself because I definitely agree with you that we're so much more than our careers or our professions and I remember when I was in medical school, I was actually reminded of that by a doctor. He said, you're, when you're done, you're going to be so much more than just a doctor. There's you if you be, become a mother, if you become a wife, you're somebody's friend, somebody's sister. So it's, it cheers me to hear you say that because, you know, somebody else recognizes that. Yeah. So in... In recent times, you developed a disability. Can you tell us about that and how it came about? Yeah. Um, so um, it's been it's been here with me for um, about a year now. Um, so basically, my disability is that I um, have uh, a weak left leg. Um, which came about from a herniated disc in my back um, and led me to start walking with a cane because I um, would be in a lot of pain and I also didn't want to fall um, because I would limp sometimes. So um, basically I was fine one day and not fine the next and um, it kind of turned my world upside down um, because it's not something that I had time to get used to, really. Um, but I had to learn to live life a bit differently um, because of it. Hmm. And I know I recently I saw one of your posts on Instagram 
where you were talking about how like there's little things that we often take for granted and one thing that struck me was when you were talking about having to maneuver with your cane and as if for instance you need to open a door and you're still you're also holding your purse and you know there's just things that we take for granted in our everyday lives that we probably don't realize so much will change if something were to happen and as you said one day you were fine and then the next day your whole world was appended essentially mm-hmm. definitely it was and um i yeah those that <laughs> it's funny because again that that thing about taking things for granted or having too many things in my hand it really just came about because i just you know i sometimes i would be tired in the day and i would want to get a cup of coffee in the afternoon and i would go and get my coffee and by the time i had like my hospital pass and my purse in my hand in one hand and my cane in the other i used to be like in a dilemma so <laughs> about how i was gonna <laughs> hold my cup of coffee but I, I was like i can't I can't give up everything in life. <laughs> so <laughs> I am going to have to learn to become a balancing act <laughs> because some things in life just aren't going anywhere. And, um, you know, I figured it out. You know, you kind of put the purse under the armpit and, you, you know, you learn to adapt in life. But it really... And just so many other things like going to the bathroom or parking my car... Um, I mean, I'm really grateful that it's my left leg and not my right. Um, mm-hmm. Because <laughs> if it was my right leg, I wouldn't be able. I, I feel like my driving would have been affected. And that's a whole other aspect of my mobility that would have been kind of taken away from me. Yeah. And I, um, I don't really like relying on other people to do things for me. And I think that that was... Learning to have to ask for help sometimes was another is another part of having a disability that I think you know most disabled people will identify with. Um, sometimes you want the help, sometimes you don't, um, and people respond to you really different when you have a visible disability. Um, some people don't know how to respond at all, so. Mm-hmm. It's it's been a real a real journey, um, so I would say. Do you think that um, what you just said there about some people knowing how to respond, uh, others don't? Like now, it has more or less. Clu- now that you are in this position, it has more or less clued you into how you should respond to others with disabilities. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, because there's some things that just make you feel um, it, it it brings up a lot of emotion in everyday moments mm-hmm. that you feel that you don't want to deal with in that moment so there are a lot of in Caribbean culture I think we don't feel um, there's some boundaries I feel like people feel okay to cross and um 
like a lot of people who I don't even know would stop me and ask me what happened to me like telling me that I look too young to have a cane are you serious? Um, or they would assume that I had a cane because I was bigger and they would feel okay to tell me that or that they didn't think I needed my cane and Oh my goodness! <laughs> I would, I, I would have to really remember. I mean, I'm, I'm not normally a very, um, very extroverted or outspoken person, but in those moments, I, I really had to <laughs> re- remember to have a filter on how I would respond. Um, but I, I really don't think necessarily that you should feel it okay unless you're very close to someone. Um, in which case you probably will be informed on why the, yeah, exactly. the person has a cane exactly. or a wheelchair in the first place. You you don't know how that person feels about their um, their assistive device, really. Some people are completely okay and they accept it because they might be 15 years into their journey or they may be very good at adapting. But some people have a lot of mixed feelings about it. Um, and so again you have to remember that even if you are curious about it it may not be the time and place to ask Um, but I found that people really didn't have any qualms about asking me that and so then I would get asked about it multiple times in a day and um Again, as I said, it it was initially a kind of a traumatic experience for me, especially since it's something that got worse after a surgery that was meant to help with the problem. So, yeah, people don't know how to respond. (laughs) No, um, but some people also, you can see it on their face, um, that they don't know if to help you or not or um it makes them uncomfortable you can see the discomfort on people's faces and i don't think it's it's there's so many disabled people in societies everywhere in the world that i don't think that it's something that we should be uncomfortable with because it's part of the reality of life um that we are not all the same um, so then I would also have to make other people comfortable with what makes them uncomfortable and be like, it's okay, you know, I can't help myself, it's fine. <laughs> um, so there are a lot of different responses to um, just just having a cane <laughs> to help you along. I know you mentioned about there are some times where you don't want or need help and there are other times when you do Mm -hmm. so how does someone who's looking on know or how would they know whether they should offer assistance or not um i i think that most of the time if i did need help i would i do ask um but I think mostly that people don't necessarily want to be like touched without you asking. So just like mm-hmm. we ask for consent for a lot of other things. Um, 
and you or if you see someone obviously struggling just like any other time even if someone wasn't disabled the way that you would you know you would assist them then yes Mm -hmm. um or i mean most of the time i don't mind if someone like opens a door for me or something like that but if it's something that involves like directly touching me or doing everything for me um because it's not all of the time that just because you're disabled that you can't do anything for yourself. Yeah, your disability um, so, is not inability. It, yeah, so it's that kind of thing where pe- if you assume that the person can't do anything for themselves. So I think, you know, just finding a way to politely ask if the person would like would like your assistance and they can reply yes or no and then you'll know how to move to suit. But it's where I think when people assume that I could not is when um you know it 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 becomes a bit a bit much or a bit too much help um because you still no one wants to feel like they can't be independent um and when you strip people of that then it's it it's not a nice experience Yeah, yeah I totally get that and even in my own practice as a doctor, seeing patients, especially because I do palliative care, so I have lots of dementia mm-hmm. patients. And when they are still in that period where they're periods of lucidity and they want to maintain their independence, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's like you're snatching it away from them. So I have to constantly remain family members you know just just let them do this for themselves like exactly one of the last things that they have to hold on to allow you to do the things you can for yourself yeah you know you you accept help where you need it um but the things that you can do allow allow the person to maintain that sense of independence and it may be really necessary for you to do what you can because again like okay with dementia that may help them to preserve their mental capacity for longer than if you just strip everything away um, in a single moment and it goes the same thing for like physical independence as well you know that if you (laughs) if you just make me sit down for all you know all the time and I'm not allowed to get up and walk and do anything because everyone brings things to me then I won't get any stronger or Mm -hmm. you know so it's it's just allowing people to to maintain their sense of self and sense of independence I think um and just doing that tactfully, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, as we mentioned, you are a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, how has this affected your career? In a big, in, in a really, in a big way, um, I would say. <laughs> because I, you know, not only am I a doctor, but I work. You know, I'm training to be an emergency room specialist, and it was right at the end of that training when this happened. And um, working in the emergency department is very physically demanding. It's not um, it's not a sedentary specialty. So mm-hmm. because of that, I I was not able anymore to work in the ED so I had to 
move to more administrative work while I, you know, kind of complete my treatment until I can physically handle being in the emergency room again. So that was like a really big change for me from doing clinical work and being with my patients every day and having the adrenaline of the emergency department to mm-hmm. um, supervising the COVID hotline at the hospital. Yeah. And would you say that you are or have started or gotten to a point where you are coping with that aspect of your illness emotionally? Yeah, I would say coping um, at least a lot better than at the beginning because it was all it was a lot of changes that had occurred just all at once Um, so most of the time when my other health challenges I was still able to work where I was working Mm -hmm. and worked just fine Um, but this one made me have to change a big aspect of my career so it you know it it has been a a journey where I had to kind of still tell myself that my contribution in medicine is still valuable even though the face of my output has changed and um so now you know a year later things are different than when I first began and I'm a very different person than I was a year ago so it it definitely is one of those years where I can see that I've I've grown mm-hmm. in a lot of different spheres of life despite what looks on the outside to be something very unfortunate yeah you kind of answering my next question <laughs> Which is that, you know, in in undesirable experiences, usually there's some good that could be found. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, what's some of the good that you find has resulted from this journey? Because it's a journey that we hope will conclude soon, given... Yeah. I'll let you share that. But, um, <laughs> but what good has, uh, can you say has come from it? Um, truthfully, a lot of good from has come from it, but I sometimes it it is hard to see at the beginning. Um, I'll be honest, and I think you know you have to let yourself. And again, this is one of the good things that has come from it because a lot of times you, when someone around you is going through something that is very dark and heavy, you know whether it's illness or you know loss of a job or grief of whatever kind it may be you as a supporting person um you are fine so you can tell someone else to be grateful for what they can be around them which is truly what we should do um but in that moment you really may feel like there may not be something that you should be grateful for especially your current situation you may not see it as something to be grateful for but you know I pearls have become an important symbol for me because without that grain of sand irritating the oyster 
you wouldn't get a pearl. That's um, true. So my medical bracelet is actually made of pearls to remind me. I love that. that. Yeah. Uh, to remind me of that so I, I I have that is one symbol in my life that I've just kind of just adopted um, I mean pressure creates diamonds and if I could have a, a diamond medical bracelet <laughs> one day I, I will for sure that would be great <laughs> yeah so future husband if you're listening I know right <laughs> you know there's a dope but you know <laughs> Exactly. I so I definitely, you know, I it will it makes me a different person and a different doctor because you you have to allow people to feel what they feel and allow yourself the grace to feel what yeah. you feel is kind of the first step that I had to go through. Like because no one could feel it for me. No one could really take my pain away. Nothing. Um, and I needed to not feel guilty for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I needed to just be just allowed to progress through it because it when I realized that my because at first I thought that my disability was not going to be permanent. And then when I realized that it was not something temporary and it was not going away, like my doctor had initially told me it would. Um that was kind of a I needed to just take a moment to grieve for the part of my body that was not going to be the same again ever Mm -hmm. um, and be allowed to do that Um, so that is one thing that people don't talk about it often like again just because of the especially in Caribbean society where you're just, just expected to just move through life um, and be strong and I think that that just probably has roots from the fact that we you know we have arisen from the the slave trade and just have arisen from a history of trauma but yeah, yeah so people don't think that trauma is something abnormal or and severe traumas in life really um, yeah so we don't we don't talk about just taking a, a time to pause and to grieve for self or that grief is even something that you can apply to your your own self um and not just something that is singularly applied to death and um of someone that is important to you and it also and, doesn't mean that you're weak either exactly um and that's another thing that i learned from this experience that the capacity of human resilience is is basically I think something that is endless you can go through so many things in life and still still rise again honestly I (laughs) I'm tired of having surgeries though and I just had uh, my fifth one and I'm hoping that it's the last. Oh, but wow. <laughs> you know, you may <laughs> you may plant in life and God laughs. So <laughs> I you know humor. <laughs> I I am and the thing is when I was in medical school I used to I would ask patients their history and sometimes they would give me a history just like mine where they had had so many surgeries and I used to be I literally was like well, I I you know how does this how does this happen to someone in life and then 
I did have my first one in medical school and I kind of was like, okay, this is this is the first and the last. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little did you um, know. And then they, yeah. So, you know, you, I really think that you can go through honestly anything in life and you will make it through to the other side, even if you, you literally cannot see the the light at the end of the tunnel, the things that you you really think will break you. Um, because again, I really, I literally used to have in my head that, okay, I've had one surgery and that one was to my tummy. So I, I clearly found that mentally acceptable. Mm-hmm. But I did neurosurgery as an intern and really, um, I was like, I hope I never have spinal surgery or brain surgery in my lifetime. And then I found out mm, in 2017, before my first set of exams as a resident, that I have a brain tumor. I, I don't plan on having surgery on it, but again, God has a sense of humor. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what will happen in the future. <laughs> I just know what Shana plans for herself. Oh, God. Um, and then I, I also, then I herniated the disc last year and I had to have surgery on it. And then I had to have another surgery on it this year. So, me, okay. <laughs> I, I will stop making these health plans for myself <laughs> because they're not working out. <laughs> they're not working out. <laughs> so, you know, lesson number three or four from this experience. Um, <laughs> wow. But you really, um, they're there are always silver linings in life and I I really think my patients are are the the real the chance mm-hmm. um, after this experience because it, you know I've treated patients in the ED before I would wear herniated discs and they, they were in severe pain but I could not I could not appreciate it for myself until I I went through this and then I met a lot of other people after people would ask me what was wrong and then they would tell me their experience where I need to this and there were women who told me it was worse than labor. I have no kids. Um but I believe oh, them. Wow. <laughs> because it was really it was really quite something in the beginning especially. Um but that's why I see that you really can make it to anything, I think. Yeah, and it's a, I guess it's a life lesson that you can apply to any situation. Mm-hmm. And just listening to you, to me, there's so many pearls. There goes that word again. There's so many, yeah. there's, there's so <laughs> many pearls that you have, just listening to you, you've provided so many little things that whether whatever you're going through you consider it to be big or small like there's something that you can learn from it there's some good that Mm -hmm. can come from it and that's not to say that you're minimizing what you are going through because as you said and I always say myself you should be allowed to feel however you feel whenever you feel it and have those feelings validated so exactly and yeah and sometimes you may feel that something is something really small 
um, in the grand scheme of things and then other people might kind of concretize that concept in your mind but if something feels big to you in that moment then you just have to feel what you feel um, yeah. and allow yourself to process it because we find when we don't process things properly at, at the beginning when they start then it, it it tends to come up later at some point exactly. um, in time and yeah even going through this journey as well that that happened to me and again I can't say I processed everything really super well um, because when you're going through things in life sometimes your emotions get the better of you and you can't always contain them well which is again another thing that I guess I would say to people who maybe have to care for someone who is going through an illness or something that especially a a chronic illness or an illness that um takes some time to treat um sometimes people will take things out on you or they may seem to be irritable with you but it really isn't a a personal attack yeah that person can't even deal with themselves yeah exactly (laughs) like it has nothing to do with you at all yeah it really doesn't um it, it it really has nothing to do with you it it's that there's sometimes too much emotion to bottle and it has come out in in that way um and so you kind of i'm not saying that it should be an excuse for inappropriate behavior or anything like that but sometimes i did have my you know and i'm grateful to all the people around me like i mean my physiotherapist is not my friend but i mean i told her that i was not coming back and it had nothing to do with her and I think she has kind of the wisdom to know that it had nothing to do with her or how my how she was providing care for me mm-hmm. um, but I just got tired of my body not doing what I wanted it to do right. and I expected it to recover from all of the trauma that had been inflicted on it in much shorter period of time than it could so I just wanted to come out of surgery and recover by the six weeks that they tell you that you're mm-hmm. going to recover by which is a lie <laughs> I like you think back of when you were in in turns and selling this light to people it's a lie how and many people have everyone that, that it's a lie <laughs> it's a lie and we continue to propagate it but I am a physician and I stand by the fact that I have now had five <laughs> operations and it's a lie <laughs> you don't you don't I honestly after my last surgery for my endometriosis I think it was like a year afterward when I was just walking one day and I was like wow I can actually walk today without pain and now I understand why normal people who don't have chronic pain don't understand chronic pain because this is how they walk around every day and so that's you know I don't always blame surgeons because they are probably all normal I have maybe some of them have never had a surgery to understand why this is a lie yeah (laughs) because your body just 
the science may tell you that maybe all of these things return to normal by X period of time. But our bodies really don't obey any kind of textbooks exactly. sometimes. And so I really had just unrealistic, ex- you know, expectations. And then I took that out. But I had my moment when I just took that out on a person um, and my body instead of being completely rational and understanding that things don't always go the way that we want to or expect them to and so yeah if someone lashes out at you when they are ill then it probably 99.9% of the time has nothing to do with you unless there's some other kind of issue at hand I feel yeah yeah, that's really important to remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even as doctors, sometimes patients are, especially like working in the evening, sometimes patients are like irate. Sometimes it's like the weight that has them there. But as soon as I go to them, what are you afraid of? Or the relative might be angry. And I ask them what they're afraid of. They like stop for a moment and they kind of tilt their head to decide and they come right back down from 100 to like 0 or 0. 0.5 mm-hmm. because it really isn't anger that is the problem it's that you, you have a relative that's sick or you are sick yourself and yep. you just you are just afraid of dying or something being really really wrong and no one has communicated with you or you yes. are, you're just afraid. It, it tends to anger in those situations I find a lot tends to be the face of fear and so Mm -hmm. when I give them an opportunity to voice that then it just our interaction becomes completely different than if I meet their anger with with anger exactly or irritation exactly because that isn't the root of the problem really um especially with acute illness that you know being the reason why they're there um, so you kind of have to just take a little step back and have a bit of emotional intelligence in a lot of yes. situations. That's what it is. You know, <laughs> you've got to be able to read a room sometimes um, and not meet people with the same interface that they have met you with, which goes for a lot of situations in life. Um, you will kind of diffuse situations a lot faster if you just take a step back for a moment. Um, and ask yourself yeah, a question yeah. and ask that person a question instead of and I think it's, an it's commendable it's commendable of you as an emergency room physician where you know you constantly more or less go 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 to take the time to ask a patient or a relative you know what is it that you're afraid of and just that that minute that you spare it's a to make the whole world of a difference yeah. to that person. Um, it, and you can see that it does because then, then you know, it, the future interactions that I have with that person and their family and the AD, they come back to me with such a different approach than maybe when we started or when I met them along the hallway when I first start my shift and stuff like that um 
because they realize that you care you know yeah. that so I think it, it is just an important thing um, to to take a moment to try to understand or put yourself in someone else's shoes um, I, and I know that's something that gets repeated a lot but it, it really is something that we should try to do um, in life I feel like sometimes we we get a little lost um, but these are basic things I think that we, we really should try to do just just in life in general I agree wholeheartedly like the cashier at the convenience store who snap at you really it probably doesn't to have do anything with to you, do with she you. probably hasn't been able to get up for hours and is hungry exactly <laughs> you know or she may got a child at home mm-hmm. sick you know like there's so many different things we don't exist in a vacuum we don't and it's not to say that she should snap at you but the point is that she has exactly, <laughs> so. exactly. so you know you know just just tell yourself in that moment that it probably has nothing to do with you and what i feel like once you can you can get within you to approach life like that then it makes it makes life easier for you as well when when you remember that yeah, because does. then you don't automatically exactly. snap back but it's when we like forget that or we don't want to have empathy for anybody around us that um, you want to snap back but that takes a lot of energy from you as well Um, and it it saps you of your own joy so again I feel like being a bigger person even if you don't want to do it for someone else, then do it for you. Yeah, do it for you. For sure. Oh, so many pearls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what what does the next three to six months look for Shana how does that how does that look for you um that if you could if you could (laughs) if you could orchestrate it because as we said (laughs) you know things never go according to yeah but if they did um I feel like the next that next period for me taking us into like the middle of the year um Really, just the the word that just comes to mind is healing for me. Um, mm-hmm. Given that I just had this procedure done, and um, I guess what I learned from my other <laughs> failed experiments at doing things too fast too soon <laughs> is that I just. <laughs> And again, it just comes from me being a really independent person and not not really ever wanting help and then having to learn to accept it. Like after well, after my spinal surgery last year, you know, my mother had to bathe me and all of that and they had to sit in the shower. I mean, I still have my shower chair for days when it's really hard. And... Mm-hmm. 
those things you you don't really want to have to do and I think especially you know you think that these are things that will happen maybe in your your older age so having to learn to do those things at a much earlier stage in life (laughs) it was a bit you know you kind of have to wrap your mind around it so the next three to six months will probably be have a lot of me taking life slowly um slowly but surely um okay yeah so we've learned the don't rush it yeah i hope that i have learned it i really (laughs) because i (laughs) it's taken and the thing is in life if you don't learn a lesson it will come back it will repeat itself yeah, right, exactly. The, the, the lesson is taught until, until we get, get it. it. And it and it comes about louder and louder until you get it. So sometimes it it actually becomes a very painful lesson to learn by the time you by the time you learn it. So it may first appear to you, I find you may actually watch it happen to someone else. And you may actually tell yourself you might never do something the way that they have done it. You know, like a lot. You know, like mm-hmm. a, an example of that is like abusive relationships, where you might observe people yeah. being in abusive relationships in your life, or you might see it on TV or whatever, and tell yourself you mean that you would never be one of those people to be in an abusive relationship and stay until you end up in one, and then you find yourself staying, um, and then it's only when enough is enough that you you leave and an abusive relationship doesn't have to be a romantic one it can be a friendship as well um yeah and so these things definitely repeat themselves until you until you learn (laughs) truthfully until we learn yeah they will come back well i just want to wish you all the healing thank you all the best going forward and thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing with our listeners and with me so candidly and honestly I really felt like we've learned so much from thank you. Thank you so much. I hope that I hope that you get your diamond <laughs> tennis bracelet. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> We are putting it out there. Literally, no. Very well deserved. (laughs) It will be very well deserved. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Pink Megaphone, where we discuss topics that are important to us every first and third Sunday of every month. Thank you you so much. It was my absolute pleasure (laughs) to be here. Okay. You stay safe. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye.